Gary Cole and you're listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. These are the stories of Australia's men and women coaches, the people that we entrust to coach and develop our players and our teams. And today we're incredibly honoured to have former Perth Glory head coach Kenny Lowe with us. Kenny's currently um, the manager of East, ECU Joondalup Soccer Club in Western Australia in his spare time because he's also the principal mechanical engineer at Wood, a large chemical engineering company. Kenny, welcome along. Let's get you introduced quickly, properly, and then we, we can have a good old chin wag. So uh, a wise man once said, Kenny's had more uh, football clubs than Jack Nicholas. Um, I think he had a, an illustrious playing career in, in England. Let's just quickly run through those clubs. Uh, Hartlepool United, Billingham Town, Gateshead, Barrow, Scarborough, Barnet, Stoke City, Birmingham City, Carlisle United, Darlington. A brief stint at Spearwood in the West Australian Premier League, which probably gave him a taste for Australia and Perth. A couple of caps with the England uh, semi-professional team. And then his coaching career at Gateshead, Barrow, Perth Glory as an assistant, and then the head coach after Alistair Edwards left some time with Arnie and Renee Mullerstein uh, with the Socceroos as assistant in 2018-19. He's coached at the Football West Academy. He's been the TD at Perth Glory. And currently, he won the championship with uh, ECG Dunlop in the West Australian National Premier League. Welcome along, Kenny Lowe. Hi, <laughs> guys. Good, 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 good to speak to you, mate. You're currently uh, in the outback. In uh, you're, you're actually the first sand groper we've had on the had on the podcast. So welcome along. It's it's good to have someone from Western Australia. Yeah, honest, honestly, mate. To be truthful, yeah, nice. Looking forward to the chat. <laughs> so where do we find you today? You're in a, a a very plush office or a really nice tent, one of the two. No, I'm in. The, I'm just off uh, the Perth coast, a little island at Rocknest with a wife. Three or four days away, just chilling out, um, having a nice time. Yeah, can't can't be bad. T- tell us, Ken, you 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 played. Um, this is isn't about your your playing career. Um, and and really, from my research, I can only find out about your um, your senior career. Where where did you play as a junior, and where did you fall in love with football? Ah, oh, like everybody in the northeast, just. Outside your front door, we where we lived, there was a there was five or six pitches, um, and everyone in the area you'd go out on a, a Saturday or a Sunday. It'll be thirty aside. Um, <laughs> you, you'd go out when the sun come up, and you'd come in when the sun went down, and you'd have your mum or your dad screaming at you from the front gate, say, "Come and have your tea." And if you left the game and had your tea and come back, you'd be stood on the sideline for about an hour, so you wouldn't dare leave your tea. Um, <laughs> Yeah, kind of that's it. You know, a bit of northeast of England. Yeah. That's what you're brought up on. Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Newcastle, uh, Darlington, Hartlepool. Yeah. And then the big non-league, big non-league scene as well. Very passionate. Um, my old fella used to play. He had five or six brothers who played. It's just, it gets handed, it gets handed down, guys. You know how it is. Yeah. Um, that's it's ironic. I'm at school and my PE teacher used to take me to play for his senior side. I was 14 or 15, um, playing against men. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was out on the right wing, a little bit tricky, a little bit cocky. And, you know, you'd used to not make someone who was about 35. And the, <laughs> you know, the next 20 minutes, you'd be in the trees after he put you <laughs> over the sidelines. So 
you, you learnt really quickly. You know, I remember my I remember my old girl said to the uh, the PE teacher, "You look after him, take care of him. He's only fourteen or 15. Yeah, he said, "Yeah, yeah." And then you have all these guys, you know. Yeah. They want to, you know, kick you because you're a cocky little sod yeah. as a young man. And and you almost, or, or did you did you have an apprenticeship at Blackburn Rovers? Did that? Did that come off, or you, your dad didn't I, want you to do that? No, I got I got offered a, an apprenticeship uh, when I was younger. Uh, my old fella, actually, at that time, you had to sign indentures if you were going to leave home. And yeah, uh, my old my old fella wouldn't sign the indentures. He, he actually said, "You're not good enough. You're going to get a trade." And he fixed me up uh, in a big company at the time called ACI. Yeah, and I served my apprentice. I served my apprenticeship in ACI as a as a pipe fitter welder. Okay. Um, the way I got into it, guys, is uh, there was an advert in the newspaper, partly Paul United. Uh, this trial, come down and have a trial. Yeah. I didn't tell my mum and dad. Uh, got my boots, jumped on the bus to Hartlepool. It's about five miles from where we live in Billingham. And, uh, and I had a trial there. Yeah. Uh, unbeknownst to them, got dragged at half time. And I thought, oh, that's it. I'm getting kicked <laughs> out, you know, I'm not good enough. And I'm walking out the gate. Some guy goes, oh, where are you going? We want a word with you. Just sit there in the boardroom. Um, and uh, there was a few of us, actually. There's a guy called Andy Linnigan who went on to play for Arsenal, Norwich and Leeds. Yeah. There was a guy called Phil Brown who ended up at Bolton, ended up coaching in the Premier League with Hull. Yeah. Um, Andy's brother, David, was at the same trial. He ended up playing for Ipswich. And uh, a lad called Mark Venus who also ended up at Ipswich. So... It was a good little group of uh, of players. I think Andy was a plumber with a council or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Phil Brown. Phil Brown was a spark. He worked down the pit, and we all ended up going to this trial and getting picked up by Hartlepool. And that's kind of uh, I'd go part time, a couple of nights a week. Yeah. That's how my uh, how I got involved in, in in the football side. And in going through all of that today, you played in all four tiers of the English football: first, second, third, and fourth division before the the Premier League kicked off. So that was a, a broad brush of experiences. Most of that as a yeah. semi, as a semi pro, and then you you turned pro. I think yeah. at, at thirty one. Is that right? Yeah, I think I, I think I played at six, seven, eight, and nine as well, guys. As well, <laughs> like further down the ladder. Uh, yeah, I got. I think I was I was twenty nine. I was signing for Sunderland yeah. with Terry Butcher, and I'm on the way there to sign, and. Uh, I get a phone call saying, no, no, we're not going to do the deal. And I packed my job in and everything. Wow. Uh, and he he said, the chairman at the time pulled it. He said, but I'll, I'll look after you. And he rang Lou Macari at Stoke City. Yeah. And I went up uh, through Terry Butcher. I went up to Stoke and played. I think we played Real Sociedad, Dad, Terry, uh, John Toshak's team yeah. in a friendly. And I played, played quite well. And then Lou offered me a deal after that. Um. And then after Stoke, I got Barry Fry bought me for Birmingham, moved to Birmingham. So yeah. I think I played seven years from 29 to 36, but signed pro very late. Yeah. And how did playing for Spearwood end up in the middle of all that? Because I'm, I'm guessing that would have been a little bit unusual at the, at the time. Yeah, very much so. It was, I think it was 86. Yeah. Um, I was I was at Hartlepool. I'd play, I think I played 60 60 or 80 league games by the time I was 20, 20, 22. Yeah. So I played in the first team at Hartlepool and then I got released 
and I, and I went to Bristol City with Terry Cooper, got offered a deal. I went over to Shallower in Belgium, actually, and, and got offered a deal. Um, uh, with Philip Albert's agent, uh, Peter Harrison, got me over. Yeah. And then I also got offered an opportunity to come to Spearwood in Australia. And I cho- that's what I chose over those three. Uh, and, I, and I came out to Oz um, and, and spent a year here. Yeah. And it, was, it was America's Cup. Yeah. It was the best time to be here. I think I squeezed a few games of football in in between going out and socialising, guys. It was just the best time ever. It was amazing. I was amazing. I was driving in today to do the podcast and was catching up with my dad, who who listens to them all now, watches them all on uh, on Facebook as well. And uh, he was saying, "Who are you chatting to today?" I said, "Kenny Lowe, good 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 boy from the north of England." I said, "I can't imagine anyone from the north of England coming to live in Perth for." for uh, 10 years or so and moving back to the north. I just cannot imagine uh, that. But but you, you stayed for a year and then went home. Yes, yeah, I went back to college. That's why I went. Uh, I'd, I'd enrolled in a course and it wasn't starting. So I came out to Oz, did that and then went back. But had the absolute best time. Yeah, Met a lot of guys who I played with. We won the league. We had just an unbelievable group of boys. It was the best time I've ever had, guys. We yeah. were at the races not so long ago and I think there was... 16 of us from yeah. that group wow from all that time all that time ago in 86 yeah. you know um just brilliant brilliant set of lads the lad i came with the lad i came with never went home he stayed here so there was two of us come out he stayed and i went back oh. um but yeah no great time great time all right let, let's put your let's put your playing boots away so so tell me on on that on that long professional career mainly in england mm. when did you first come across the idea that coaching might be something you want to do? I didn't. <laughs> I was 30, I was 39. I was 39. I was still playing. And the coach at the club, uh, I didn't remember, Jim Platt used to be the Northern Ireland goalkeeper, played at Middlesbrough, uh, like quite a quite a big uh, name in, in, in at that time. Jim Platt was the gaffer at the club I was playing and he, he got sacked with 10 games to go. And basically what they said to me was... Uh, you're the oldest player. You take training. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. Um, we're not gonna do. We're not gonna spend any money. Anyone. I had no inclination. Not one inclination about coaching. And um, I took the last ten games. We did quite well. Boys really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was for actually Sir John Hall, who owned Newcastle at that time. Yeah. He 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 owned he owned Gateshead, which was the club. Yeah. So I ended up. Um, they offered me the job for two years and I took it. And that's how it all started. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do my badges and do it seriously. <laughs> so at, at, so 39, a little bit older than 39. Um, yeah. That's how I got into it, mate. Yeah. How, l- looking back, because uh, we, we, change, we talk about the change a little bit later, but how, how important for you was that first opportunity? Yeah, uh, I think it opened my eyes, you know, and, and and you know what, when you look back and reminisce and reflect, like, I wish I'd done it when I was 18 because it would make you such a better footballer. Mm. And then also now I, I cringe. <laughs> I, I cringe at some of the things I did as a player. Now you're, you're, you're on the other side and you think, Christ, I must have got everyone I played for sacked, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, unbelievable, 
because uh, you're in the playing group and you see how we all interact and then you don't you, you kind of reflect and look back now and you think wow wow that was not so wrong you shouldn't do those things or you should be better at other things it's uh quite sobering to be honest <laughs> that's, uh, that's called wisdom kenny that is uh, it's called the old age, mate. That's what it is. I think you're you're framing it nicely. <laughs> uh, okay, it's just interesting because you're a you're an AFC Pro license coach, but you've got UEFA C, B, and A licenses. Can can you, yeah. having been and done courses primarily uh, in Europe um, and here in yeah. in Oz, is there any difference mm. between doing a license course in in Europe and uh, and uh in australia no i was blessed mate i mean working under people like kelly cross uh rob sherman uh i know the dutch boys get some stick but uh hamburger and those guys were like quite inspirational if i'm honest yeah um the way they wanted to play the game the way they educated you to play the game um and made you think about the game. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm quite fortunate as well going through the system of the Welsh with the Welsh FA. You know, you go back there and you've got people like Thierry Henry putting sessions on. Yeah. Uh, you've got Arteta putting sessions on. You've got Pep Linders, who's a club's assistant, putting sessions on at their national conferences. I go back there every single year for that conference, and it, yeah. it's it's superb. But here, honestly, in in my time. In the NTC, which I was brought up on, I did yeah. that for, I did the the NTC system for twelve years. You know the people that come through. You know I remember Ernie Merrick early on at the VIS when I first come over playing against his teams. You know Paul Orcon, you've got um, you've got Tony Vidmar, you've got JP, um, all these guys. You've got Ian Crook. Yeah. You know you've got Gary Van Egmont. You know, uh, all these guys are coming through the system and you see how they're playing. You get affected by them and you chat to them afterwards and you speak to them. Uh, I, I, at that era, I was quite blessed, mate, to be honest. Yeah. And Ken, through your playing career, which which coach or manager had the most impact on you as a player? <laughs> Barry Fry. He signed you twice, didn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I met him. I met him when I was 29, mate. I wish I'd met him when I was 18. Um, I always remember the first guy, like, I didn't want to go, didn't want to play for him, <laughs> didn't want to sign. I'm living in the north of, it, uh, north of England. Their club is in London, Barnet, North London. So it's a three and a half hours away. Yeah. So now I don't want to play for you, not interested. The club, were, the club I was playing for had some issues with the taxmen and needed some money. So basically, they sold me to Barry. If I hadn't gone, the club would have collapsed. I think they paid a record fee for a non-league footballer to another non-league team. Yeah. Um, I was working for an engineering company in London. I was flying home from Heathrow Airport, and I went to meet him. I always remember this long I live. And uh, he, he sat down. He said, "All right, he's like selling the club." He said, "But he said, but I've spoke to everybody who's told me not to sign you. You don't run. You can't tackle. You don't head." <laughs> Uh, you're a bit, you're, you're hard work, and I'm going. Why do you want to? I was like, Why do you want to sign me? He said, You can play. He said, We got everyone else who can. We got everyone else who can edit, kick it, run around, tackle. He said, I promise you, I'll never, ever, ever ask you to do things you can't do. Wow. And he was true to his true to his word. 
Mm. And I came, you know what? I used to, everyone was a pro. I came on a Saturday morning, got the train down, played, went home, and I never saw anybody again till the next Saturday. I played for him for three years, got voted player of the year, got picked in the PFA team of the year, and we got we got promoted three years in a row with him into the league. And uh, the guy was like an absolute crazy character. Probably didn't know how to coach, but he was just the best person, inspirational person I played for. And and that Brilliant. just managed. He managed to to find some way to bring the best out in you. You know what he did? He'd say, like, I know you don't like to run around, but our captain, Duncan Horton, is carrying a hammy. He said he normally wins the ball and just gives it to you while you just stand around waiting for it. He said, but you've got to help Duncan today. Can, can you do something? I know, don't you? Look, close your eyes, you know, put a toe in. And he got me running around tackling. And then he'd, he'd see on goal kicks that I'd walk underneath the goal kick and go over my head so I didn't have to challenge for it. I'd see how far the keeper could kick it and walk about five or six over goal. And he'd go, look, David, I was our, our centre-back's got a bit of a dodgy neck. Can you just put your hand on the centre-forward's chest? That's all I want you to do. But, like, he knows what she wants me to do. He's not telling me to head it. He knows that I put my hand yeah. on the centre-forward's chest. I'm going to be in and around there to win a header. You know what? And he turned me into a player. At 29, he turned me into a player. Uh, just like brilliant. Yeah. Top guy. He's still doing it now. He's still doing it now at Peterborough. But you know what he had? He had an eye for a player. Yeah. The amount of players that he produced. We got. We came out of the conference and went into the league. I think six of that team out of the conference, non-league footballers played in the Premier League. And eight played in the Championship out of that team. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, so Kenny was was he a good coach or was he a good manager, or was he both? No, he's, he, uh, you know what, mate. Looking back, I, I wouldn't say he coached so much, but he knew how he wanted to play. He knew the players to play that way, and he'd get those guys, uh, and then he'd like he. So a lot of the jigsaw, he knew what he wanted, mm-hmm. and he knew the players that could produce that so yeah I would say he could coach from putting a session on maybe not to a certain extent but he knew what he wanted and he knew how to get what he wanted and you look at his teams you know they get promoted um, uh, uh, Birmingham we got promoted yeah. Barnett we got promoted three times on his day he went to South End and they were bottom of the league I think they signed Stan Collymore and they were bottom and he kept them up I think it was on a million quid then to keep South End up and he kept them up. Yeah. But I tell you what, wherever you went with Baz, there was loads of fun and a shitload of goals. <laughs> like I remember going to going to Birmingham and like he went and the, the average crowds were something like, I don't know, 16,000. By the yeah. end of the season, it was 25. Yeah. It was crazy, man. He was just a crazy cat. Um, Ob- top, top guy. Obviously, top, top guy. Obviously very good with people. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we're seeing now. That you're seeing characters like Klopp and Guardiola and, and people like that, top end people, have that inter- intimacy with their players. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what he had all those years ago. Yeah, I think he was before his time. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, he was not, probably didn't coach like those guys, but he would definitely build a bond and a relationship with the people, you know. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's very, very special. So, Kenny, what is coaching? Uh, I think for me, it's it's getting a group of people together 
and taking them somewhere where maybe they don't want to go or don't realise they can go. Uh, and having an end game in that, like you want to, you want to create something. You want to create an atmosphere and an ambience and a uh, where you can just really enjoy the game. Yeah. And ultimately, you've got to win. Unfortunately, at the top end, you've got to win. So that's got to be a factor somewhere in there. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, it's 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 being around a group of people that hopefully you can influence and affect and help uh, to grow as people and as players and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pro- for me, it's process driven, not outcome orientated. Um, I think the process, if it if it's right and it's good and the environment's great, you're going to win games anyway, you know, and you're going to improve people. And that that for me the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've got a de- development mentality because of what I've been brought up in those. I've spent 12 or 15 years with, with, with the kids. Yeah. And when you go and work at the senior level and you still see that Keogh wants to improve and Castro wants to improve and Liam Reddy wants to improve, your senior players, Andy Todd who come over, you know, that you're dealing with, Robbie Fowler that you're dealing with, you know, William Gallus that you're dealing with, these these high-profile people, yeah. top, top players, Mille Sajoski, they want to get better and they want to improve. Jacob Burns. Yeah. They're no different to 12, 14-year-old kids. They still want the same messages. It's, it's, it's quite... Uh, the, the game for me is, it doesn't matter what level, everyone wants the same thing. They want to get better. They want to improve. They want to win games. They want a good environment. Uh, so it doesn't matter where you are, what level you are, it's still the same thing. So, So you're a teacher as well? I wouldn't say that. I'm just me. You know, that's my mentality. I kind of been brought up with my mum and dad. I've got certain ethics. My old girl was a nut. My old girl was a nutter. I mean, like go to the game, she'd be on the side screaming the ball, give the ball to my Kenneth, and like <laughs> want to fight people in the stand. You know, it's just it's what you're brought up on. You know, it's like quite ironic. I've coached at a decent level. My my sister's coached the national team at netball. She's played at, at, at the national level. So uh, there's something ingrained within our yeah. psyche. And that, I, I believe that comes from our mum and dad. Yeah. The way we were brought up, the values that we've got, the confidence that we were given to, to be that way, you know? Yeah. And you like sharing that with other people? Yeah. I think that's, there's nothing better than, like, for the bit, one of the biggest things for me, French Sainsbury's first game. He sent me a shirt for us. You know, he's getting married. I hadn't seen him for years. I get an invite to his wedding. And I'm, I'm only dealing with a kid who's from 13 to 16. Yeah. But, you know, you've got that bond. Adam Taggart, the same. You know, Trent Sainsbury, Josh Risden, Jack Lisby, you know, all the guys, Mark Burgetti, Scotty Neville. All these kids with 13, 14 year old that you've, you've hopefully, you know, had a little bit of input and help along the yeah. way with, you know. Yeah. Quite special, really. Thanks, mate. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, how how has your coaching changed over the journey from that first from that first session to where you're at today? Oh, unbelievably, unbelievably. I've been like you look back and you think, "What were you doing? <laughs> you haven't had a clue." Even even for a little bit, like you're going with people like like Arnie and Rene. Like, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're coaching a Sunday morning team. 
<laughs> in real terms when you like Rene and I probably forgot more than I know you know they're, they're like just like I've had some real proper experiences you yeah. know like working with, with with good people you know you know working with Mitch working with Fergie as an assistant yeah. you know su- superb and then having to do the head job without really being mentored you know, you're coming out from an NTC, you're a youth development coach, and, and you go in for three months, which I just thought was going to be three months. Yeah. You're just going to go in there, and I thought, you know what, this will be good. Um, um, Sage has asked me to help him out for three months. They're going to get a big coach in, in three months' time, and I'll go back to the NTC and, and with the kids and enjoy it. I thought, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. And like you go in, and all of a sudden, you're dealing, you're dealing with William Gallas. You, you think, well, oh, hang on a second, hang on. You Google William Gallas and you see that he's sat in the six-yard box because he's upset with Mourinho or, or Wenger and he won't go in the changing room at half-time. And I go, oh, hang on a sec. He's just like give a custard pie to... I can't I can't remember who it was, whether it was Wenger or Mourinho. Yeah. He's just give a custard pie to Wenger and Mourinho. I'm an under-14s coach coming in having a deal with William Gallas. How am I going to do this? How are you going to... like? You say yes, and then afterwards you think of the consequences of saying yes. What am I going to do? You're, the first session with all these players who played at the top level. Mm. How do you? How do you then? You know, how do you do that? And you do that by, you know, being yourself and being honest and being genuine. I think, and trying to uh, impart the way that you want to play the game, which really should be with a smile with entertainment, to score goals, to win games, to entertain people. Um, and uh, I think when I came into it, I look back and I say, right, I'm I'm not going to do the things that, that made me unhappy as a player. What made me happy as a player? To be challenged, uh, to have enjoyable sessions, to try and play the game in the right way and to entertain. And that's what I try to do in, yeah. in, in my time. All power to you, mate. On your journey, have you had a coaching mentor? Have you had someone that you can bounce ideas off of, that, that, that you can pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, I've been trying to do, <laughs> been trying to do this and I, I can't, can't get the message across? No. Yeah. Um, I kind of came, came into non-league stuff and uh, you kind of like wing it. Yeah. Um, and I, I came to Woz and, and got involved in youth development really. Uh, and like I say, quite fortunate to have the, the Dutch experience with the guys who were at the IS at the time, and then to be around the NTC challenges and competitions with some unbelievable coaches, yeah. and to sit around with those guys and listen, and to watch how they played and how they kind of set their teams up. Um, so a, a mentor as such, you know. And then got involved in the A League, um, and and kind of you know it was sink or swim, mm. you know it's uh, watching and learning from other people from afar. I think one of the biggest things for me that touched me the most was um, I'd had three years at uh, Gory in the final fourth year it was a, a bit of a toughie, and taking a call from Graham Arnold. <clears throat> And how are you? How are you going? Uh, do you need any help? 
And like, it just blew me away. Yeah. Like for someone of that stature to actually touch base and not so much a coaching perspective, just to say, how are you? Yeah. You know, how are you tracking? Do you need anything? Can I help in any way? This is a guy that I'm coaching against in the same league. And I yeah. just thought, wow, that's on a human level. Mm. That's like very, very special, very special. Yeah. Getting quite emotional, actually, yeah. just uh, speaking about it. So that for me was, yeah, that was. Uh, um, He's a good man. That right? was quite special. It, yeah, people don't realise that the the other side of him. They look at him as a coach and whatever, but yeah, yeah. he is a very, very, very top guy. A yeah. top guy. It, that, that that's one of the other things I I love about. I've loved about coaching over the journey. The the, the coaches, you know, we coach against one another and um, we're all human beings. So there'll mm. be some people that we, we butt heads with and we don't get along. But generally as a profession, um, you know, mm. g- given how competitive it is, coaches are generally happy to share and talk about what they know and what's worked for them and, and what's not worked for them. Uh, has that been your experience over mm. over your journey as well? Yeah, very much so. The like the, the people here and us, the coaches, you know, John Aloisi, you know, all the all the guys that have been there, Darren Davies, you have conversations, Pete Klamoski, like like just really, really, really top guys. Journey Merrick. Yeah. You know, I remember I was in Melbourne just having a beer with the missus sat on the I think it was South Bank and he's walked past with the missus and the dog. Hey, <laughs> so, you know, just come over, chat, banter, you know, even during games, after games. Like Good people, man. Good yeah. people, and and I think everyone everyone knows the dark side of the game. You know where people regress to, where not not many people talk about. You only ever talk about the good times, not the bad times. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and 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 people are good, man. Yeah, especially over here. You yeah. know, especially over here. Good. Yeah. There's some good banter that flies around, especially during games as well. Yeah. I I was out riding my bike along the beach here in Melbourne this morning and. Uh, pedal past Sandringham Oval, and I nearly run Ernie Merrick down. He was just finishing w- <laughs> walking along with his St Kilda AFL cap on, where he's now employed yeah. part time as a coach mentor. So y- you, yeah. it's remarkable, and I don't think our game does this particularly well, but it, it's incredible that another sport and a very big sport, obviously down here in Victoria and in Western Australia, have taken yeah. on someone yeah. with Ernie's experience to help mentor their coaches. I just find that uh, absolutely remarkable because our sport doesn't necessarily, we don't take people with experience and necessarily put them in, in roles where they can offer offer a, their wisdom and knowledge to people as well. So, you know, it, it's great to see him gainfully employed. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's football's loss, man. Someone of Ernie's stature and knowledge and experience, but not just that. Again, I go back to it again on a human level, the type of guy he is. Why would you not want this type of guy involved in a football club somewhere? It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, let, let's. Let, have other, any other sports influenced your coaching? So have you, have you looked at the, any other invasion sports and, and gone, poor, oh, I actually try something like that? No, I'm, I'm like, I'm terrible, to be honest. I'm, I'm just like football crazy, you know. I, we were joking the other day, I think me and the missus, we've been married, I don't know, 30-odd years. 
I'm out that often. I remember NTC, we were out four or five nights a week, Saturday, Sunday. I think I've been out that often, but I think we've only been married for five. I think we're still in a honeymoon because I haven't seen it that much. You know, funny story. I, I, I digress, but I remember getting sacked from the glory and like she's, she was like mortified, not because I was sacked, but the fact that I might be home a bit too much in it. Uh, Invader TV schedule regime with coronation and in extenders. I said, Look, love, I can go out if you want. I'll go to the pub. I'll just sit out the way. You know, she was terrified I was going to be up. Yeah. Ah, very good. You've got, a, you've got a cracking sense of humor there. I believe you've got a, uh, a son, Rory, that's uh, now a professional comedian. Is that right? Yeah, he's in the fringe at the moment and, uh, and over here in Perth. He's smashing it apart. Well, he keeps telling me he's smashing it. He's probably. It's probably just one man and a dog turning up, but he's lying through his back teeth. Um, no, he's doing well. He's doing well. He's selling out. He's he's got a few awards at the fringe, so yeah. he's uh, a bright. He's a bright kid, actually. He's got a master's in architecture, and his missus, his mum keeps saying, "Get a proper job," and he keeps saying, "I have got a proper job, mum. I have got a proper job." So hey, yeah, you got to follow yeah, the dream. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, Kenny, wh- why do you do it? Why do you coach? Oh, I think it harps back to what we were saying earlier about um, trying to help. You know, like I look, I look at players, and I, I, I genuinely believe, and I, I don't want this to come across in a, in a condescending way that that I've actually got a decent eye, and I can help, I can improve, um, and the enjoyment that gives you to see people get on and improve and maybe make a career out of the game as well mm-hmm. uh, is is quite powerful you know if, if you can not much for the player but for me as well that feeling of I've actually done something good I've, I've helped you know yeah. um, that's I think that's why I do it yeah and also allied to the fact I actually love that interaction with player coach on the on the on the on the on the training ground I think it you know, you go searching for something when you've finished the game. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is that I enjoyed playing so much that I thought, you know, I don't want this to end. And and this is like kind of, a, I don't know, not as good, but yeah. as near as it gets, you know what I mean? Yeah. That camaraderie, that that love, that feeling, that that caring for, that team environment. It's, it's very, very good, man. And mm-hmm. that's kind of why I do it. You, you've had a, a broad range of experiences now and, and, and you've lost your, your gig at um, Perth Glory, as we all do. The, <laughs> Ernie and I used to joke the day, the day you start, you're a day closer to the, the day closer to finishing. But how, how important has it been to be resilient, to learn how to be resilient as a coach? Yeah, I think it's massive. I think that's just, that's part of life though. And I, and I think that's a little bit missing in life that you've got to get burnt by the flame because when you get burnt or when you have hardship, you can do one or two things. You can either roll over and give in or you can find out how to get out of it. Um, and I think, again, that goes back to my, my upbringing, uh, my working class roots, uh, the values that were instilled in those days, you know, yeah. come on, get up, get on with it. You know, that, uh, uh, and, and and I think having failure is part of the dance. 
you've got to embrace it. I keep saying to my kids, go looking for it. Go, go look and be uncomfortable and, and, and push yourself out of your comfort zone. And then when you get comfortable, go looking for something else that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And when you get comfortable, like, go for looking for something else. And I think that's the only way you grow. Um, the best thing that happened to me in a way was getting that opportunity with the glory where I thought that three months was only going to be three months and Sagey, God bless him. Um, <laughs> Uh, like give me a job yeah. like what a brave decision an under what, and like look at that it's lunatic he's a lunatic For an under 14s coach you give him the job at the glory you know and I look back you know what I look back also you reflect as well and you do go but you know what there was only two teams that scored more goals than us in four years and only two teams got more points than those in four years yeah. and that was Arnie's Sydney and, and Kevin's victory yeah. so you look back over the 108 games we did all right, you know. But like you said, it does come to an end. Yeah. No, you did a great job, mate. You you two two runners up in two FA Cups. You made the finals a couple of years in a row, and you um, you uh, played your part in bringing Castro to Australia, who's been arguably one of the yeah. you know the best the best internationals that have come into play in the A League. Yeah, great guy, top top fella. How did you – were you involved in player recruitment? How, how did you find that? Because that's not – you know, that can be um, – well, coaches yeah. are always Yeah, involved. I think if, if anything, that was probably our one of our best things because we we work on 85% of the cap yeah. uh, at Perth in my time. We we weren't one of the big spending teams. We are yeah. one of the lowest spending teams. And yeah. you look, look at some of the boys. We brought the two Hungarian boys who did uh, unbelievable. Castro, Keogh. Uh, both done amazing. We brought a lot of WA boys back to the club. Yeah. Taggart, Williams, you know, Lowry. Uh, and we promoted a lot of youth, De Silva, um, uh, Italiano, who we sold for money. So, yeah. no, we were heavily involved. I was quite fortunate. I had a number two who was top shelf, Andy Ord. Um, Ord, he knows the place, you know. And, and between the pair of us, we were, you know, involved in every deal that we did, which yeah. was... In hindsight, when you look back at some of the boys we brought in, yeah, there was a couple, maybe one or two. I think Fernandez, the Dutch boy, didn't quite work out. Uh, but the rest were top shelf. And I think that's why we did so well. Yeah. You know? No, no doubt. Uh, with glory as well, that's got to be your best part. You, 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 your foreigners have got to be your best players at the glory. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to struggle if you, don't, if you don't nail them. To be honest, in any A League club, if you don't nail your foreigners, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Yeah. Um, and we were fortunate we we nailed them. Uh, unfortunately, the last year I remember flying over to Spain. We had enough budget to to sign two players. When I got off the plane, Tony had changed his mind in midair. We could only afford one of the lad's legs because he, <laughs> he, he chopped the money. So, <laughs> so that that was uh, that was that was interesting the last year. But all, all fun and games. Uh, Oh, fun and games. I think fun and games is the is the order of the day uh, at coaching at any club. Um, I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like at Perth Glory with uh, just one owner, no shareholders, no board, just t- uh, t- Tony Sage, and, and and it's his club, and he, he does what he wants, does what he wants when he wants. You know what? For me, mate, for me, he was brilliant. Yeah. He gave me an opportunity, and for me to last five seasons, I think with CG. Yeah. I probably needed a medal as as big as a dustbin lid, um, but you know what? It was never, it was never quiet. It was never unentertaining. 
uh, and I had the I had the best time, and I wouldn't change it. And you know, God bless him, and fair play to him. If it wasn't for him giving me the opportunity, I wouldn't be on this now. I wouldn't um, have, have had the opportunities that I had. You know, FA Cup, first FA Cup final, second FA Cup final, finals in every year playing. You know, Sydney and Melbourne City. Yeah. Brilliant, great experience. Yeah. Brilliant experience. Yeah. Speak, yeah. Speaking of great experiences, how you were with the Arnie and, and Rene with the Socceroos for, uh, I think, from 2018 through to that Asian Cup in 2019. How, how was how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was it was part time. I was actually working in engineering still, um, and I would get time off and then and then uh, go. But mate, I swear down, honestly. Like, I'm coaching. I'm thinking. I'm plodding along okay. You know, like I said earlier, I was looking after a Sunday morning team, the local <laughs> pub team compared to like Arnie, Rene, um, the 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 analyst uh, who's who's me like was absolute. Arnie's analyst is probably better than some of the coaches I've worked with. <laughs> they were just, it was just, it was the best experience, mate. Mm. Yeah, you know, you you are out of your comfort zone, uh, definitely. But to be around those guys, um, it was just really, really, really special, and, and I, I had a great time. I enjoyed it. Kenny, were there was there anything that really stood out as as like key learnings for you? Just that that really opened your eyes about what professional coaches were doing. Yeah, just the way they analysed and, and 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 provided solutions. I think that was the big thing. There was never any problems. There was never any. If they did that, there's a solution. Half time. There's a solution. There was there was never there was never any roadblocks. There was never any problems. Uh, they just viewed the situation as it was at that second, analysed it, and then provided concise, simple information to allow you to combat whatever situation you were in. It was mm-hmm. it was top notch, really. Yeah, yeah. Like the sessions Rene put on. Wow, detail, information, concise, uh, enjoyable, informative. It, it, it was, you know, and again, it. You know what that did for me? Like coming away from the glory, you're a bit flat, and then Nani invites me in, which was a huge honour. Yeah. But then it just whips your appetite. Whips your appetite because you realise there's more. You you need to go out there and grow again. It was it was really. That kind of gave me a big lift. Yeah. You know, you come away from there, you're a, bit, you're a bit down after glory. And then to get that opportunity and to go into that environment, it actually just, it just, it just bangs some wind, wind into your sails that, hey, stop feeling sorry for yourself. There's more out there. Yeah. Go, you, you've got to drive. How do you get to that level, you know? And that, that was quite inspirational, again, for me to be around those, those guys. Yeah. Um, very, very good. Very good. And that that worked out quite nicely because you June up and then you you won the the championship in 2020. Yeah, we we actually we we it's, we went into the club. I think the season before there, there were three points of relegation, um, and I've gone in like overseeing everything. So in it like again use the word it's the title, but director of football. So look after everything from under thirteens all the way through the first team. Uh, trying to affect the coaches, trying to affect the young kids, and then coach the first team. So as you can imagine, that 
five-year honeymoon period with my wife will stay for the next 20 years because I'll never see her. So I've just, I've just, changed, I've just changed the name of the club. So I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm out four or five nights a week and weekends, you know, and John- coaching, coaching 13, 14 year olds, coaching the first team. It's brilliant. I've got lads like Chrissy Harold come and play mm. for me. You know, we, we've got some really good guys. Last year, four boys went inside pro. We got one lad to Charlton in England. Two lads signed for the glory, and Riley Wallen signed for Newcastle Jets. So it's quite again that little combination of NTC glory learnings. Where hopefully we can affect people and and maybe get young lads some some pro contracts somewhere. I love that. And just just to be clear, you, you're doing this in your spare time because you've got a full time gig as an engineer. Is that right? Yeah, I'm working for. Yeah, I'm seconded into a Japanese. Uh, uh, oil and gas company Impex so yeah 6 o'clock in the office leave at 3 get there at 4 coach till about 8 couple of beers with the coaches at 9 get home at 10 missus is asleep and then I see her for 2 minutes and then do the same thing again uh, uh, good. No it's, wonder you, it's no, good fun mate no wonder you're built like a broom handle <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not actually quite sure. I've got time to for you to answer this question. But what what have been some of your most enjoyable moments on your coaching journey so far? Uh wow! FA Cup final was was a big one for me. I think uh, that was like from a you know something new, the hype surrounding it all, and just going to a final was was quite special. Um, I think the day Tony Sage told me I got the job as the guy, yeah. the main guy at the club was was quite special. And more so the fact that I learned afterwards that they were looking at a foreign coach and the players through Jacob Burns got together, all of them, yeah. and went in to see Sage and said, no, no, we want Kenny to get the job. And I think that for me, again, the playing group going in and saying, no, no, we want him to get the job yeah. uh, with Jacob was quite, again, you look back on. Um, I think going to Melbourne City and beating them in a in a finals playoff. Yeah. I think 2-1, we beat them at their place um, to go and play at Arnie's like, team of the century in the, <laughs> in the playoff final and got battered. But, like, um, but going to Melbourne City, huge club, to go there and, and, and to win that one. Um, and I think the other thing that stands out for me was managing the team through the uh, the saga of the uh, the salary cap yeah. scandal and, and dealing. That was a massive learning curve, that one. Not from a, a coaching perspective, but a people perspective. Like lads who'd worked so hard to get, we're top of the league for 18 weeks, top yeah. of the league. And then that came out and trying to lift the spirits of players, trying to, you know, manage them and look after them. Lads who were distraught, you know, thinking this is my one chance to win something. Yeah. And keeping the club, keeping the club together, really. And then going back the next year and making finals again after we lost a hell of a lot of players, you know, who were, who were unhappy and rightly so. A lot of guys, a lot of guys left, a lot of good players left. Um, um, so yeah it, interesting and maybe from a, a junior perspective seeing 
being involved with the NTC and seeing 60 players over 10 years sign professional contracts for big clubs, Liverpool, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Inter Milan, Roma, seeing those lads develop and grow. Mm-hmm. Lads going to World Cups, Risden, uh, Sainsbury, Taggart, and having those kids as 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old lads and still still having a relationship with them now. So, yeah, a lot of things, guys, now you've asked. Only <laughs> <laughs> the good... I need the good questions on this show, mate. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so then let's flip that around a bit, a little bit. So what are the, some of the most valuable lessons you've learned on your journey? Um, be you. Be authentic. Um, have tough conversations. If you've got to say something that, 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 is, that needs to be said, have the conversation, but have it honestly and have it openly. Um, and and don't be afraid to agree to disagree, even with players with me. And I, even, I remember being the assistant at Mitch <laughs> and we Friday we'd pick the team and my team would always be different to his team. I was the assistant, but he always wanted an input. Yeah. Um, and we'd argue, we'd fight like cat and dog, especially over... Uh, we had uh, Branko Jelic, centre-forward. Yeah, I'd pick him every week because he scored goals. Mitch wouldn't pick him because he wouldn't run around. <laughs> um, and we'd argue like cat and dog over it. But when we went out that door, I was 150% aligned with yeah. what he wanted because he was the gaffer. And and I think that, for me, is the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, you can agree to disagree, but when you when you go out there, you need to be together whether that be me as a head coach and the players, whether it may be an assistant coach to the head coach as we go out. I yeah. think that for me is the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, no, I like that a lot, mate. I, I think if if everyone agrees about everything all of the time, it just there's, there's something no. not right in the organisation. Oh. It just can't can't be. Mate, I used to fight like cat and dog with Andy Ord, my number two. Honestly, swear <laughs> down. Honestly, swear down. Used to. Sessions crap, your crap. You know, it's like just you can't pick him. Why I'm picking him? No, you can't. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, and to this day, I now on speak toward him maybe once a week, yeah. even after all this time. You know, he's top fella. Yeah, good yeah. guy. Thanks, mate. So, what does success look like then? Oh, your process, mate. For me, your process is the process. Does the process work? I mean, you can say, you know, finals, FA Cups, trophies, winning games. Yeah, that's 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 what everyone wants at, at, at the pointy end. I think if you're a head coach, you've got to deliver that. Uh, but for me, process. Because if you've got something that's really good, you're going to get somewhere near that anyway. You know, you might fluke that. You might fluke a trophy or you might fluke a league. But it's longevity. You know, have you got something that works wherever you go? Have you got something of substance? And for me, that's what I I, I I would like to think is there's a process. And if you've got a process, no matter where you go, whether it's under nines or whether it's with a with a with a senior A League team or whatever, and you're right across the spectrum, all the way through, if you've got something 
that's a process that that can help guarantee an outcome and you've got half a chance and mm. i think as you evolve and you get older as you called it wisdom i called it old age <laughs> that that grows and develops uh, other people use the word philosophy I, i'm not a big believer in using that word but that, that, that if you've got something that you've grown and developed and honed and polished then you've got half a chance paul yeah. You know, it's quite ironic when I got when I got sacked at the glory. I was a better coach than I went in. Mm. <laughs> I was actually better than when they gave me the job and they sacked me. Yeah, and, and that's such is life. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and like you say, that happens because the results weren't right. But I was a better coach when I left than when I went in. Yeah, I, I, I look. We've been having this conversation for. A year now, you know, I think this is 25, 26 conversations. And I think every week we agree that you learn more from losing than you do from winning. It's just mm. the winning helps you keep your yep. job. But but there's a lot yeah. more learning yeah. in, in who you are, what you can do, in what the team can do. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. invariably people are, are better coaches uh, at the end of that time. Um, and we just have yeah. to hope that they've still got a job. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was spending spending ten of ten to twelve years on the grass coaching youth development football. Yeah. I learned so much because you've got to try and help people get better. Yeah. You've got to try and develop. So therefore you're not only developing the young guys, you're actually developing yourself. You're finding out what works, what doesn't work. Yeah what's nice what isn't is a small area big area you know six against eight eight against ten does that work does that not work uh how about your conversation someone who's shy uh how do you then connect with those people how do you develop relationships so yeah. i think the biggest thing for me is like someone said what how, how do you get to be a good coach? i said go and do your badges and go and spend 10 years on the grass yeah <laughs> that's how to learn <laughs> that's where the learning try, is. I try not try try not get sacked too often. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. All right, mate. Downhill run. If you have one piece of wisdom you could share with coaches, no matter where they're on the journey at the beginning, the middle, or towards the end, one piece of wisdom, what would that be? Just what I've said. Go and coach. Go and get on the grass. Put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, people that you admire or look up to go and tap into their experience it's amazing how people open up and want to help you said it earlier coaches want to help it's it's in it's ingrained in them someone you admire or someone that you you feel it's go and tap into them but get on the grass go and make mistakes go and get burnt by the flame and have no fear I think that's the big thing be comfortable being uncomfortable. What a wonderful place to leave that today. Kenny Lowe, ECU Joondalup head coach currently, um, and I'm, I'm sure he's got a double act with his son uh, on the stage as a comedian as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Really, really appreciate your time, your knowledge, and your wisdom because you're an old fart like uh, me. I, yeah. I just want to say thanks for inviting me on. Honestly, when you – when you sent me that message, I went, wow, you know, like to be invited onto this uh, for me was uh, very special, mate, honestly. Uh, and I mean that genuinely. Uh, I appreciate being asked. No, thanks, mate. We we appreciate you sharing the knowledge, Kenny, because it, 
you know, if you think about when we when we hear about coaches, normally it's we hear from coaches when they've been appointed into a job, when they've just lost a job, um, <laughs> you know, before a game, after a game, and really occasionally someone asks them their opinion about another game. But unless you're Ange mm. uh, and you've got a book um, and people are constantly yeah. doing it, people don't know the story of the journey. But so often that's where the knowledge and the wisdom is, that the the learnings are on the journey. So, mate, we, we appreciate uh, significantly uh, you're taking the time from sunny outback Western Australia today. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, good lady yeah. wife, for, for giving up her tent space to talk to us. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Stay Thanks, well, mate. Stay well, Genuine. Karen. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Right. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, if you um, uh, want to learn more about Football Coaches Australia and want to become a member, go to footballcoachesoz.org.au. You can listen to this podcast on all of your favorite podcast channels. And of course, now you can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and search for Football Coaches Australia, you can now watch this ugly mug talking to some of Australia's wisest men and women coaches. You have a great day. Mm-hmm.